Now grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew 24, please. Matthew 24. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's Matthew 24. There's a lot going on here. Um, we have Jesus talking about the, the return of his return and the different things that are going to be going on in Israel and the things that are going to be going on in human history. And I'm going to start, uh, my focus is actually going to be um, verse 12, but I'm going to read a little bit before that so we can get this into context, okay? So before we start this, as you're turning there, I want to kind of introduce the idea of um, what Jesus has given us in salvation. So when he brought us to salvation, uh, the Greek word, um, the two Greek words are eternal life. Eon, zoe, uh, it means continual or everlasting, but the, the life that it talks about is fascinating because it's a, zoe means a quality of life. It's a quality. Now what's interesting is it's not only a quality of life, it, it has to actually explain a lot of things to get to this idea that it is a quality of life. It isn't just the same thing and Jesus has added in. It's actually, it means you're taken up into a higher level of existence and you actually have a whole new reality that you have to learn to live out of. And part of that zoe life or that quality of life that Jesus talks about is he actually offers you and I this thing called the fire of his presence. So when God draws near to us, the Bible actually equates that as a fire is kindled inside of you. And I was telling this to Bob um, when we were getting ready to service, I was telling him, I'm always fascinated by how the Lord gives um, admonitions to stay on fire. He talks about being set on fire. And he talks about the reason why the gifts are given is so that you keep this flam uh, flame fanned into existence. And then he also talks about the idea that this can actually go out. You actually have to pay attention to this. And I've been fascinated, uh, as you guys are too, I watch uh, what goes on in the body of Christ, and I watch some Christians that are just on fire, and then they go cold. And I'm always like, well, what causes that? Well, because of what Jesus has done, why do people start off and they're just burning for Jesus? And then here we are 20 years down the road, they're, they're hardly even doing anything. They, their passion has been diminished. What, what is going on there? And the Lord actually addresses this several places. And so I'm going to look at one place where he talks about it, where he talks about the outward world and the effect it has on your walk with the Lord, living in a world, okay? So that's what he's actually picking up on here. So in verse 10, listen to what it says here. At that time, there, uh, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Now here's the, the focus of what I'm going to talk on tonight. Because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow Cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now our focus is verse 12. Because of the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. All right, so let's start working through this. Um, here in my passage, when I was writing it out, uh, I did it out of the NSAB. It says, because of lawlessness is increased. And so we're going to start with what is lawlessness. Now, this is interesting. This isn't just the idea that evil is being observed. Because evil actually has an effect on you. I don't know if you guys realize that, but the observance of evil has an effect on your soul. It actually has an ability to take hope away from you and faith. Observing evil. But that's actually not what the passage is talking about. This is talking about because of the increase of lawlessness. So this is, if they wanted to say the increase of evil, that's what Jesus would address, but he's ad 
stressing the increase of lawlessness. So what is lawlessness? Well, it's two Greek words. Uh, it's a negation, and then it's the noma, which means law. And the negation of it is interesting. It can be translated this way. It's the utter disregard for God's laws and his living and written word in people's lives. So because of the increase of people ignoring and just living any way they want, it has an effect on people inside their soul. So not just you and I disobeying God's word to us or his living word to us, just being around a world that is actually being lawless, it actually releases something into people's experience, which I ever, don't you guys think like I do, because of the way our culture thinks about the way the world works, we see ourselves as rugged individuals, so if you fall, that won't have any effect on me. But the way that the Bible actually presents it is because we're all created in the image of God, we literally affect each other. So how you live actually affects me. By how I live, I affect you. And the Bible is now beginning to address the idea because of lawlessness, it will actually have an effect on Christians. So this passage is dealing with people that know Jesus and he's saying, because of lawlessness, it is going to cause an effect that you need to be aware of. Isn't that interesting that Jesus is beginning to address that? Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you, lawless, not just evil, lawlessness, when you see people as covenant breaking, don't you feel a diminishment of hope that God's word actually can sustain people? Can you observe that? Joe, Joe nodded, so I feel better. So let's keep moving on. So let's keep moving on. So because of the lawlessness will be increased. Now, I found the word increased interesting. <clears throat> there are some Greek words that are used that talk about a momentum, and it's a constant building. This word for increased in the Greek New Testament isn't that word for momentum. It's actually the idea of reaching its maximum release. That's what it, the word's used here. So we could actually say because lawlessness will reach its maximum intensity. So why, why is the Bible telling you this? It's actually telling us that as human history, and you can actually see this, as human history goes forward, it's not that um, there's sin, there's actually an effect of sin from generation to generation. Uh, one of the most startling passages I ever, I was here, I was reading Daniel chapter two. You guys read Daniel chapter two recently, right? I'm reading Daniel chapter two, and there's actually some really hopeful things in Daniel chapter two, but there's some realities in Daniel chapter two. So in Daniel chapter two, if you don't remember it off the top of your head, Daniel is getting a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, or he's getting a dream about um, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, and it's about this statue made out of all these different elements. And it says a rock that was not hewn by human hand comes and crashes it, smashes it into dust, and then it says that rock will become the greatest mountain uh, in all the world, and people will run to it. And that, that's a prophecy about Christ's kingdom coming at a certain time in human history, destroying all the kingdoms of men, starting off small, and then becoming the greatest kingdom of all kingdoms. Now, here's what's interesting why I'm sharing that with you. It says that it will start off small and then it will ever increase. And so you have from that point on something to have hope in. It actually tells you that the kingdom of God in every generation actually grows higher, more profound, and has more impact as time goes on. Sin has the opposite effect. So sin doesn't stay normal. Sin has a degrading effect. So 
when people are not coming to Christ, there's this constant gap going on between the redeemed and the unredeemed in human history. Sin has a constant degrading effect from generation to generation to where people don't even have a standard of the law of God being written on their heart. And so the gap between righteousness or the display of God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness becomes incredibly contrast as human history goes on. And Jesus is saying his kingdom will become greater and the enemy's kingdom will diminish the human race to the point where they're going to be debased basically as human beings. They, they won't even regard each other anymore. They'll kill each other, they'll murder each other, they'll steal from each they'll do lawless things. Uh, whenever Christ is gonna come, most people are always trying to predict he's gonna be in the next 20 years, I don't know. I'm not worried about that in my own life. I've done enough pr bad predicting that I've decided I'm just gonna let Christ deal with it. But at this point, it's interesting that he's telling you the increase means it will multiply until it releases, uh, reaches its maximum potential. So Jesus is now warning us as believers. The increase of it, you need to not just assume lawlessness is going to stay the same. You need to recognize that it's going to increase. Now, most of us say, well, let's all go ahead and buy... Um, cabins in the mountains and start a commune and let's get away from everybody. Jesus wasn't telling us this to run away from it. He was telling us because he actually believes that we can stand in the midst of this if we're prepared. We're, we're actually going to be the lights that are shining in the midst of a dark world. Now look what it says. Because of the lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So he's talking to believers here. So why in the increase, why when lawlessness and reaches its maximum potential, why will the love of many grow cold? Well, we're actually going to take the word love here and kind of look at it. Um, I'm sure Paula and a lot of you have stood before you and told you the word love has several different Greek words to it, so it depends on what word's being used here. This is a word for agape. So this is talking about God's love. So it's now going to target a very specific love that actually grows cold. It's actually telling you that when lawlessness increases, the believer has to be aware of the fact that it, the effect is to actually diminish the love of God in believers. The love of God. That's why it uses this word specifically. It's not using brotherly love, and it's not doing sexual love. It's talking about godly, God's love. When you and I are around or participate in lawlessness as it is reaching its potential, it has the ability to put out the fire of God inside of you, being around it, observing it, participating in it. And so the, Jesus is trying to warn us, his children, as you go on in human history, be aware of it. Now, what do we mean God's love actually gets diminished? So let's look at the passage. Keep going with me. The love of many will grow cold. This will grow cold is actually just one Greek word, will grow cold. And it actually is interesting it's used to describe a wind that comes in, it's a cold wind, and it either refreshes or it diminishes something. So in the context of the passage that we're looking at, it's actually saying that because of lawlessness, it's like a wind gets released over believers' souls, and what it does is it puts out the fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. It's a cooling effect. Lawlessness, isn't that interesting? Lawlessness has a cooling effect effect of the fire of God in you because of what? This morning we were actually working through as a group, what is the, why do we need to have biblical hope? 
See, the minute that lawlessness becomes common, whether in my life or people that I observe or people I hang around with, what happens is, is all of a sudden, I believe that heaven isn't interacting with humanity because of the constant act of lawlessness. It actually cools me to believe that God isn't strong enough to deal with anything. Have you guys observed that? I, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I'm going to just talk about my own observance of evil. I started noticing that at a certain point in my own walk, that if I watched the nightly news for a month straight, just consistently watched nightly news, I was in absolute, utter despair that God had left the planet, that nothing was ever going to work out, and I needed to buy a cabin in Montana and then start a, a, a Christian commune and just hide and be afraid of everything. The constant observance of wickedness actually had a cooling effect on side of me where it made me actually doubt the goodness of God or the mercy of God. And so I, I might not be as strong as you guys, and if I'm not, please pray for me. I need all the strength I can get. But I've actually had to taper my observance of evil. I don't, I don't observe it as much. In fact, it's getting kind of funny now. I used to make fun of Kelly watching Hallmark, but basically all Carolyn and I do now is watch Hallmark. That's about <laughs> all I can put up with. And their tragedies in Hallmark are so, it's so hard. It's like they, they've lost a son. I mean, how hard is that? Or their, their second home had to go into foreclosure, and you're like, Hallmark. But anyways, or they looked at each other weird and didn't understand they loved each other deeply. I mean, do you guys get it? Any of you ever watch these programs? Okay. <laughs> And that's where I'm kind of at because I can tell, and you guys ready? I can tell by the observance of even fantasy evil. It has a profound effect on you. And the, the message that's being told to you is that God is not involved in his creation. And when it's reinforced over and over, it's like a wind blowing in your soul, constantly putting the fire of hope, faith, and love out. Where all of a sudden, instead of you having it burning and kindling to go out and change the world, all of a sudden you want to pull back because you're so afraid that it's going to be blown out. And Christ is trying to warn us of this. He's actually pointing to the fact that the most precious thing you have is the fire of God, and it needs to actually have, ready, wood thrown on it constantly. I have to protect it like it's a precious jewel. The kingdom of God. Now, I don't have to be afraid of it. Jesus is there with me, but he does want us to warn us. This really does have an effect on you. Don't ignore it and act like you can just be in the midst of it without paying attention to the effect it has on you. Now, for us tonight, as we're going to wrap up, I want you to pray with me. We're in the Christmas season. This is the season where the culture focuses on giving, which is good, and commercialization. But as we're even looking at it here, we're focusing on the fact that Christ, is the gift. He's the gift in this season. And he's the one that has come to you and I and have called us to him so that we will actually enjoy his goodness in the midst of our lives. So would you join me? If you feel like you've been observing evil or you've, you've watched a lot of lawlessness and it's affected you and your effectiveness for Jesus, could you and I just get before the Lord right now and just ask him to just wash us of this? Amen. So, Lord, we stand before you right now. I ask, Lord, that you, as our shepherd, would come and restore our soul. Just come. 
Just bring your power to us, Lord. And where sometimes when we felt the cooling wind that has diminished the fire of your presence and we've made a commitment not to walk with you during that time, I ask that you'd break the power of that right now. And literally, Lord, fan into flame the power of your passion inside of us. Give us the strength to walk with you. And let this not just be a season of receiving. Let this be a season of fire for us as your people. To walk in a new season of freshness, a new season of hope, and a new season of faith. I thank you for your love. And I bless your name. I bless your name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I was going to, Bob, give me just a sec here. I was going to just kind of move on and do my thing, but you know how this stuff works. I met you. I'm sorry. Help me with your name again, sir. Yes. Tom, would you stand for a minute? Can I pray a blessing over you? Would that be okay? Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you come to Tom right now in the name of Jesus? And Tom, at an early age, Jesus came to you and, and talked to you about a harvest that you were going to be a part of, and you're part of it. And the church actually didn't know how to honor you and bless you. And that was our fault. And so I'm going to stand before you and confess that we have not honored you the way that Jesus wanted you honored and what he called you to do. And I ask your forgiveness as the body of Christ that didn't do that for you. And I ask, Lord, that a refreshing would come to your son right now. The spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest upon his soul and that you would awaken it and it would be welcome to do the work that you've called him. God has given you a measure of his anointing that should bring in 30, 60, and 100 a fold of what Jesus has sown into you. And you are going to reach what the Lord has called you to. His favor is going to be with you. A refreshing is going to come to you. You're going to see people healed in the street, and you're going to see a move of God in the business community because God is with you. And I pronounce his blessing on you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.